church. Take out your Bibles. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. I might be a little out of sorts. Woke up Wednesday morning, no power. And I know many of you are in the same boat. Uh, Thursday, no power. Friday, no power. Saturday, no power. And then I'm starting to think, you know, I've got my routines on Sunday morning. You know, I, I'll you go ahead and use the past tense. I was an athlete at one time and I was a baseball player. So, you know, I like my little routines and y'all don't know this. Um, and I have my little lucky, you know, stuff that I do uh, when, I was, when I would pitch. And so y'all don't know that I actually preach in the same socks every week. And I don't know why you need to know that. But <laughs> it's part of my baseball background. And uh, that's gross too. But I wash them, all right? So it's all good. Uh, but uh, I, I have my routines on Sunday morning. And it really was going to make things really kind of difficult for me with the power being out. Um, but I made it work. 5.30, I'm up, pitch dark, freezing cold in the house, you know, like it normally is. I make it all work, and I do it, um, and I'm driving out of the neighborhood, and Christy calls, and I'm like, what is she calling about? She's always asleep at this time, and I answer, and she says, power's on. <laughs> ah! Thought I waited 10 minutes. Uh, anyway, so I might be a little out of sorts, but that's all right. We're here, we're here to open God's Word. Amen. Uh, in two weeks, we begin Lent season. Lent is that 40-day period where Christians traditionally, for 2,000 years, have entered into a intense, focused time of devotion with the Lord for 40 days leading up to Easter, where we celebrate, obviously, the resurrection. And so I want to encourage you in the next two weeks to be thinking about a, a fast during Lent. If you want to observe Lent, and hopefully you'll join us, but um, if you... Um, Fasting is an exercise. It's good for you. It's good for us. It's good for me. Um, Jesus assumed that we would fast. He said, when you fast. Um, so it's a spiritual exercise. And, and so it's a, a time when it's really good to exercise a fast is during, during Lent. And so say no to something that you enjoy. And then don't just say no, but say yes to something that leans you in uh, to more focus on the Lord, whether it's a Bible study or a prayer time that you insert in that spot or um, maybe a sermon you listen to or whatever it is. But say no to something and then replace it with a yes to lean in with the Lord. And let's just see what the Lord does over Lent. All right. It starts on Ash Wednesday and then it goes right up to, to Easter. And so um, during that time, I would like you to enter into whether you're doing a fast or not. Um, totally up to you and the Lord, but I would like for us as a congregation to lean in and focus and guide all our meditations along one theme, uh, and that will be um, thinking about the biblical teaching of the Holy Spirit. And I would love for us to spend Lent going through that together. We're going to start a series, uh, actually not that before, the series graphic, never mind, we don't have that. So... Um, I guess we'll come back to it later, called Pentecost, The Comforter Has Come, and we will start that series in two weeks on Sunday, and that will lead us through Lent all the way up to Easter. It'll be about a seven-week study or so, um, and so hopefully you'll join us up. But then, and you had the right graphic then, uh, we're going to go through this daily devotional. In fact, you can take your phones out. It's on version. It's a daily devotional called Life by the Spirit. 
And um, it's a, basically just something that daily guide all of our thoughts together as one church, all thinking about uh, the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaching on the Holy Spirit. You can find it on version on your phone or any device that you have. Uh, it's available there. If you like a hard copy, you can print it off, um, all that sort of thing. And so I would ask that you join us on this daily devotional as we go through Lent, that this would be sort of a, something that we all lean into together, okay? Today, we begin a two-week series of something I feel like the Lord wants us to kind of press into for a couple of weeks, and that is prayer. And Jesus gives some pretty simple teaching on uh, prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read 5 down to 13, and this is Jesus speaking, just uh, follow along with me here. He said, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Let's pray and ask the Lord to unpack it to our hearts. Father, we just commit this time to you. And uh, Lord, as we go through the meditations of your word... We pray that you would um, guide us and, uh, Lord, uh, create a catalyst in our hearts to be a people of prayer so that your house may be a house of prayer. And, Lord, I ask that you do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. I heard a court case. I heard about a court case. It's a real case. Um, there was a church in a small town, and, uh, and they had a strip club right next to the church. And, uh, you know, as things would happen, there were some people in the church that began to pray that God would close that strip club. And so they began to have these prayer meetings and just pray that it would close down. Um, And would you know, within a few weeks, lightning struck that strip club and burned it to the ground one night. And the strip club owner, not having any insurance, basically was a total loss and couldn't rebuild but what he decided to do was to sue the church for damages and losses. And so it really went to court. Uh, now, in court, it didn't last long because the judge threw it out immediately. However, when he was throwing it out and uh, throwing it out of court, he actually had a smile on his face and he said this. He said, it appears that this nightclub owner believes more in the power of prayer than the church does. I was on a trip to South Korea in 2003, and I visited Yonggi Cho's church. He was the pastor of the largest church at that time in the world, a million members. And I just had to go and check it out. I went to other places other than Seoul, but I had to, while I was in Seoul, I had to go by his church and check it out. And uh, they have a very powerful prayer ministry. If you know anything about them, you can look them up. Um, a very powerful prayer revival 
uh, after the war took place and God just did an incredible thing and uh, South Korea is a beautiful place to visit and study. So I encourage you to go do that. But there are people of prayer from Buddhist traditions and they pray in general. But when they became Christians, man, the prayer that they entered into is uh, incredible. But they had a strong prayer ministry at this church. And one of the ladies in the prayer ministry, he was, Yonggi Cho was teaching and he was telling the story about this one lady who's in the prayer ministry. And what she took, she took the words of Jesus who said, you can tell this mountain uh, be removed into the heart of the sea. Um, and she took that literally and like picked a mountain in Seoul and began to pray that it would be moved into the heart of the sea. And he said, hey, you know, we tried to explain it to her that that's hyperbole and that that's not what Jesus meant. You know, that you play over dirt and have dirt actually removed. Um, not totally what he meant, but she would not be deterred. She stayed on it and prayed for a long time that that mountain would be removed. And that was her prayer deal. And then he said, in 1988, the Olympics were coming to South Korea. And what Korea did to prepare for the Olympics is to uh, build a bigger airport because they had a little teeny airport in Seoul. And land is a, a premium there. They don't have a lot of land. You're like There's buried people on hills and stuff so they can farm the land and all this kind of stuff. Not much property. So they have to maximize everything. So what they decided to do to build a new airport was they went off in the sea, the Yellow Sea, uh, between them and China, and they found these two little islands right next to each other um, right off the coast of Seoul. And they decided to take dirt and put it between these two islands where it was real shallow and build a bigger island and put the airport on that. And would you know where they got the dirt to put that airport, they took the dirt that woman was praying over and put it in the sea to build an airport. And he said, now I know that's not what Jesus meant, but what do you do with this? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Okay. Let me ask that and keep it private to you only yourself. And I want you to really ask yourself, do you believe in the power of prayer? And then I'm going to ask you a second question. Do you pray like you believe in the power of prayer? Now, I know a whole wave of guilt hit us all, right? You got hit by the guilt bug, so did I. And that's okay. Don't worry. Don't beat yourself up too much if you say, I fall way short of praying as I ought. I think that the, no matter how much you pray, you still have that feeling you should pray more. So I think all of us have that. We all struggle with that. But don't worry. The disciples couldn't pray for an hour, and Jesus didn't totally beat them up over it, okay? So here's, here's the thing, though. Why don't we pray as we ought? And I think one reason of the whole host of reasons that might be there, one reason why is because we probably... We don't necessarily have the lenses for prayer that we should. We don't view prayer the, probably the way that we should view it. And I, I believe that maybe there's one way to help if we would see it through a different lens that maybe we would engage with it more because we would feel the hope, hope of it. And that's one thing that I want to accomplish this morning with you. Let's look at it maybe from a little bit different lens. One thing we do with prayer is we tend to see it as an act of obedience. Um, and it's not that it's not. It is. It's an act of obedience. But when we think of it like that, we think of it, our engaging in prayer is one way for us to continue to just sort of be disciplined as a Christian, to show God that we're devoted and to kind of offer ourselves to him. And it's kind of like a, a practice or a discipline. And yes, it is those things, but it needs to be more. 
And that's what I'm arguing for here today. Because if you follow prayer kind of like a diet plan, how many of y'all started a diet plan last month? And you know it didn't work, right? And you know you're not on it right now. And you know you blew it, I don't know how many times in one month, right? And if we view prayer as sort of only a discipline, I think that maybe it'll fall short in really drawing us in to really engage uh, with prayer. So here's what I want to say. Prayer is a journey with God. The creator, the sustainer of the universe. Prayer is your engaging in a journey with him. A supernatural, mystical, powerful journey with him. A supernatural engagement where you can see things and you can do things and experience things that you never would apart from it. Think of prayer as a vehicle. There's actually no power in prayer. You know that, right? Prayer is just a vehicle to connect you to the power, the power of God. But it is a vehicle that is necessary. Prayer is the way we do that. Think of an airplane. If it's on the ground and you own it, if it's on the ground all the time and you polish it, you wax it, you make sure the airs are tired up, you fix the engine, you get in it, you play with the throttles and stuff, and then you, and all it does, it stays on the ground all the time. Well, uh, it's just a hunk of metal. It's really nothing, right? Prayer really doesn't have any power if it just sits, sits there, right? Uh, think of an airplane, but when you get into that airplane and you crank it up and you learn how to fly and you speed and you, you get it going fast enough down a runway and you have liftoff, once you have liftoff, the, 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 truly, the sky is the limit on possibilities. You can go anywhere in the world you want to go if you have the money. You can go anywhere you want. You can go as high as you want. You can shoot down Chinese spy planes or balloons or whatever. <laughs> I know, cheese ball that I included that, sorry. But it's on the radar. Uh, but you can fly, and you can go a lot of different places. And you can experience a whole lot of different things. And you can go into the altitudes, and you can see things you never would see on the ground. And you can have perspective changes and lenses, and you yourself would change, and it will take you there. But it's, it's, a, it's a, a vehicle that you have to engage. It will take you in incredible places, but it is something that you have to engage. And so the assumed principle of Jesus in the teaching today is this. We learn to pray and grow in prayer through praying. We learn to pray and grow in prayer through praying. Read all the textbooks you want. That's good. You'll find that there are a million principles of prayer. And there are all kinds of things to experience and even seasons of different types of prayers and pray all kinds of things about prayer that you can learn and do. But the only way you get to each one of those is by doing the very fundamental basic thing and that is to actually start praying. And do it for a long time and consistently. And as you do, you've lifted off and you've gone into a journey and God takes you where he wants you to go in that whole process of prayer. But it is the vehicle of you journeying with God over your entire life and seeing incredible things that he wants to show you. We learn to pray and grow in prayer through praying. Now you might say, I don't know how. 
And let me answer that quickly by saying, you do, you just don't know you do. Um, let me give you an illustration. Um, I, my daughters were born, they were babies, and we'd take them to the pool in the summer. And I remember just holding, holding her. Uh, I can picture it right now, Laura Lee, just little bitty right here. And we're just bobbing in the, in the, in the water. And then I say, one, two, three, and I take her under the water and I bring her back up real fast, just like that. And what I noticed was is that they took, and I was doing something because I heard about it, but that babies just instinctively hold their breath and then they come back up. You take them under the water, they, you know, if you blow in their face, they do the same thing. They go, that little thing kicks in and they have an instinct that just locks up. And I don't know what that is. I just know that they do it. And so they'll like take baby and just throw it in the, throw it in the pool. <laughs> it's like the baby will hold its breath and try to swim a little bit. It has these instincts that's given by God to just sort of go, I don't breathe right now. And then I'm in oxygen. I breathe again. And no one taught the baby. It's just an instinctive response to its surrounding. And let me just tell you that as a human being made in the image of God, God has given you all the equipment the instincts and all the things you need within your makeup to pray. It's there. In fact, if you'll just crank the engine a little bit. Now, you know, it can be that we have the equipment to pray and the power is not on, no pun intended. Maybe it is intended. The power may not be on. And you say, well, how do I turn the switch of the power on? Very simply, here it is. Hebrew writer says, You have to have a sense in you, God is there. He's there. He exists. Secondly, he hears me. He hears. I don't have to chase him down. He's there. He hears. And that frequency is always running through everything, everything, and he can hear me. And then thirdly, he will reward me for seeking him. I have to have those three things. If you will have those three things in your heart, you just flip the switch on of prayer, of the power to be able to talk to God. He's there. He is listening. And he will reward me for pursuing him. And it literally says earnestly, like seeking him earnestly. He will reward me. If you can get to those three places, obviously, if you don't think he exists, yeah, throw prayer out. Your equipment is going to be rusted. All right. But he exists. He is there, he is listening, he hears me, and he will reward me. If you can have those three things, truly fill your heart. The switch is on, now just start. Let your instincts take over and begin to talk to God, okay? Now, in that phase where you know God exists, you know he hears you, and you know that he'll reward you for seeking him, all of those instruments are on, the lights are on, you're ready to go, um, Jesus says, I'm assuming that's true of you. Now I'm going to give you a runway. And as you engage this runway, you get the speed up, so to speak, and it's going to propel you and launch you into a journey of prayer and a relationship with God for your whole life. And I want to give you what that runway is. Are y'all with me? Okay, I hope I'm not boring you. I'm going to give you the runway. The power's on, lights are on, everything's running, but I want to give you the runway. And his teaching today is the runway of entering into that journey with God. And I want to lay it out for you very, very simply here, okay? And so a runway of our journey with God. Um, And by the way, first things are first. You don't fly in the altitude until you take off, amen? 
You can't go up there until you start here. The first thing you have to do is you got to get down the runway fast, get up, and then you can go. But first things first in prayer. And the basics are absolutely necessary for the more expert level. You have to start with the basics and you keep the principle of the basics and you do it in a routine fashion until the basics done over and over and over take you to the expert stratosphere of prayer where incredible things happen. Even James says the prayer of a righteous man, in other words, that expert prayer, person who's walking with God and they've lived out God's word in their life, they've exercised grace, they've prayed and they pray and they get to a place where the righteous, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. You want to get to the place where it's powerful? Your prayers are powerful? Well, you're tapping into the God who's all-powerful. So yes, your prayer can be powerful as a baby. But what he's talking about is grow in the righteousness. Go in a prayer life. And as you grow, you'll find that you're going to learn more about God's will. You'll learn more about God's ways. You will know God more. You'll know how to align with his will and to pray according to his will and know that your prayers will be answered. You'll grow in your ability to intercede on behalf of other people and actually see stuff happen. You'll grow in all of that. You'll experience God work through your very hands and your prayers in the world. And you'll have a relationship and a walk with God that is mature and strong and filled with grace and power. And you'll have all of that. And you'll take you wherever he wants you to go, which could be a million different places. And your story will look different than mine and your journey may look different than the next person's next to you but God takes over and when you begin to prayer he takes you he takes you where he wants to go he uses how he wants to use you and it's an amazing amazing journey and the only way you get to take part in that is the vehicle of prayer that's it there's no other promise you can't get it any other way you got to get in the plane and you got to fly there's not another promise there's not a promise in the bible that is actually afforded to you outside of prayer Nothing is promised to you outside of the vehicle. And Jesus assumes here that you're going to pray. That you're going to pray. First, when to pray. Step number one of getting moving down the runway, when to pray. He says, when you pray. Jesus did not say if you pray. Jesus is saying, I'm assuming that all the equipment is turned on, that you believe he's there, he's listening, and he'll reward you, and you're going to him. And now I'm giving you... Here's how you steer it. Here's how you steer it. First, first, when do you pray? Well, the expectation is for Jesus that he would say that you are going to God daily. All right, how do I, where do I get that? In his model prayer for us, which is not his prayer, in his model prayer, what did Jesus say? Give us this day, this day, our daily bread. So he wants you to pray daily. He wants you to pray daily. Um, and I was thinking about this. We pray over every meal. And I got to thinking like, why don't we just come together at the first meal of the month? And let's just cover all of February's meals with thanks. You know, let's go. Lord, we're just going to lay it all out before you. Lord, Thank you for this meal. Thank you for our next meal. Thank you for all the meals this month. We give you thanks. And now we can just eat. We ain't got to wait on a prayer, right? We can just eat when we get there, right? Why not do that? Why not say, Lord, for the rest of this quarter, 
Thank you for the food that you provide us in the next, in the next quarter. Uh, you know what? Let's just do this. I'm like, let's just get efficient here. Lord, thank you for the food you're going to provide this year. You know what? For the rest of my life, I'm going to have food. Thank you, Lord, for the rest of my life. And now I don't have to do that anymore. I got that box check. I can move on. What's the problem with that? The problem with that is that Jesus wants us daily engaging with him. And why does he want us daily? Every day we come to him and we talk to him. Because what's he after? You. I made you for me, says God. And I want you daily. Go into your room, pray daily. So when to pray? Daily. Where to pray? Um, another thing that Jesus wasn't necessarily trying to teach, it was assumed in his teaching. He says, go into your room and pray in secret. Now, the room that what Jesus was referring to in his day was a room that's in the middle of the house, and it's the storehouse. It's where you keep all your materials for food, like bread and you know wheat and all that stuff that you do use to cook. So basically, think of it as a giant pantry in the middle of the house. It doesn't have any windows, but it does have a door. Okay, And he's saying, go into that room. And why would that room matter to them? Because it's the only room in the house that has no windows. It would be completely dark. Shut the door completely by yourself. No one would be able to see anything you do. And in a culture where you have no privacy, by the way, that's the only place you could really go to have privacy. And he says, go to that place and privately seek out the Lord. And why would you do that? Because here's he says, of prime importance in prayer is that your motives are pure. That you're not actually praying to be seen by others or trying to accomplish something other. That your total motive for prayer would be to meet with God, the God who made you. That that's your total motive. That the only motive I have here is to meet with God. And when you meet privately, you secure that motive in your own heart. And that's a practice, and that's why you start privately, and then you move into public prayer. Next week, we're going to talk about public cooperative prayer with the body of Christ, and that's a whole other level, and can think, can think of it as second base. But you got to get first base private prayer before you get to second base in corporate prayer, okay? So private prayer is the priority that leads to public prayer. I think if you're private praying, you will pray publicly, um, but private prayer is first, okay? So then... How to pray? In what manner should we talk to God? How are we to relate to him? What's a principle that should guide us in that? Well, Jesus says the Gentiles. We talk about pagans. What you have is the pantheon, gods, and uh, they would do all these rituals and, and, and ranting, they would call it. And it's basically I have to overcome the gods of whatever, the gods of rain, the gods of sun. I've got to overcome their reluctance and call them in. I've got to be a squeaky wheel, in other words, to this God and overcome this reluctance to make him pay attention to me and then call on him to do something and then maybe he'll answer us and do it. I've overcome, and I have to overcome reluctance with the babbling and the, and the ranting, and I, got, and I even do it publicly, and I can come across as very mysterious and inspiring and interesting and, and all of that. And he's saying, that's a show, and that's a lot of ranting. He says this, he says this, God already knows what you need. What does he mean by that? It means you don't have to inform him. You don't have to go through every detail about the situation unless you just want to process with him. 
That's good. You can process before the Lord. He has no problem with that. But you don't have to inform him. He already knows what you need. He already knows the situation. He already knows that thing. And so you don't have to inform him necessarily. You can even pray a prayer that goes, God, you know that, right? You just, yeah, and you know what I want. Okay, and there you go. There you go. You can say it just like that. And you know what? He got it all. Prayer is such a mysterious, powerful thing and a wonderful thing that in less than a second, whole books can be expressed by you if you just know how to express it to God. And sometimes you don't have words to express what you really want. And you don't have time and you just, you can even send a picture up. Lord, you see what I see here. You know what I'm asking for. You can even do that in an instant. And it can be very powerful. So how to pray. Jesus says, don't go rambling. You can pray very simply and you can pray sincerely. So use the language that you use with everybody else. No, God is not responding to King James formulas better than others. He doesn't sit there and go, oh, he used the King James. What's this guy want? You know, no, there's no formula. It's whatever language, all languages from God. God created us to be able to use language. He knows your language. Don't worry. He even knows Texan y'all and all that stuff. All right. He knows it. He doesn't, you don't have to worry about language with him. Just talk the same way you would to another person. Just talk to him. Express it. You, sometimes you don't even have to use words. It's thoughts. Then you lift those thoughts to him. I would encourage you to use your words because it actually moves you into the engagement more um, instead of just thinking thoughts. But actually request them openly with your mouth and it actually lets you uh, into it uh, at a deeper level with your part of it. But how to pray? With sincerity and simplicity. Now, what to pray? What to pray? Jesus says, pray this. And the disciples ask him in Luke, Teach us to pray. And you know what Jesus said? It's almost like he had a card with the Lord's model prayer. It's not a prayer he prayed. It's a prayer of a model. It's almost like he had a card with the Lord's model prayer on it. And then he said, teach us to pray. And he goes, okay, here, pray that. That's what Jesus did. And you would go, no, wait, like it's not a book. We're not going to do a study. You know, like sit us down and give us the lecture points, right? Nope. Jesus said, start praying that. Hey, let that prime your pump. Just get going. Pray then like this. And he just gives them words to pray. So what do we do? You pray God's words in prayer until they become your own words. All right? Y'all with me? It's very important. Acts chapter 2, it says that the church devoted themselves to, and literally it says, the prayers. The prayers. Do you know why the Psalms are given? The Psalms are from God, and he is giving it to you as words to say to him. Think about that. Why would he do that? Because he's giving us what we need to learn how to grow in him and relate to him. So you can start praying by just praying whatever comes across your heart. But I know if you're a baby Christian and you're just starting to pray, you're going to run out of stuff in about 90 seconds right? But how about I ask God to teach me to pray, and I take on the prayer, the Lord's model prayer, the Psalms and other prayers in the Bible, and I begin to say, Lord, I want to pray this to you. Teach me you. And guess what? You're not just praying. You're actually growing in God, and he's showing you who he is, and you're entering into a thing. You're entering into a dialogue, and you're entering into this prayer is catapulting me into a powerful prayer life. And I'm probably passing up people who are trying to do it on their own. Taking what God has given in his word and praying it back to God. And, it, and I'm not saying rote recitation. 
I'm saying, I'm, I'm thinking about this prayer and I'm pulling it into my heart and I'm expressing it as best I can with my words to God as best I can. And I'm asking and I'm talking to God according to the guide he's given me. And in that, I'm learning how to pray. That practice will catapult you into the stratosphere in a journey with God. So pray God's words until they become your own words. Now, how do you take off in prayer? So we're going down the runway. These are principles that guide us as we begin to pray. Guiding principles. Four things. Uh, let's just go with the airplane analogy. Four levers to actually lift off. Okay, four. One, the first one, taking off in prayer. One, prostrate. Not prostate. Oh, my goodness, too close in the English, right? Okay, prostrate. What does prostrate mean? And why do I use that word? It's because I needed a P, because I'm a good Baptist preacher, and I needed four Ps. All right, so prostrate. When Jesus says um, at the very first, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's actually not a request as much as it's a declaration of worship. Okay? It's not necessarily God, you going to God, going, God, make your name hallowed. It's not you asking God, God, bring your kingdom come. It's not necessarily you saying, Lord, do your will on earth as it is in heaven. It's not a request per se, although that is something that we do request of God. It is a statement of declaration of, of being a person of worship, of who God is. So, for example, let me give you another example of this. It's like when we say, long live the king, all right? Those terms, a long live the king, you're not asking the king to live long, right? What you're doing in long live the king is you're saying, my desire, my heart, is that your rule and reign would be long and would be full and would be rich and prosperous, that your reign would be glorious, and you have, and I am a part of that, and I'm pledging allegiance and loyalty to that reign. Does that make sense? This phrase by Jesus is giving us the phrase to worship God. To say, hallowed be your name. It is my heart's desire that your name would be known. That your nature would be known. That all would see you and glory in you. That your reign would be righteous and full on the earth. That your will would be done and all would pledge their allegiance to you in the same way. And my life is given for you. Prostrate is actually a posture in the Bible of worship, and it's to lay flat, flat down on the ground with your arms open and your face to the ground. And what you're basically saying is, all I am, I am yours. You are worthy of all that I am, and I pledge all of my life to you. I know in this moment I may have areas where I don't know what I'm not giving you. Help me know what those are. But as far as I, all that I know of me, I give it to all I know of you, and I prostrate myself. You are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of all that I am. You are worthy of my life. If there's nothing else you do daily, just do that. Just do that. You'll be surprised where it takes you. Prostrate. So this is a worship tone. And you know what? You can do that in 15 seconds. You don't, it doesn't take a long time. It takes 15 seconds to do that. And then the next thing is petition. So let's say you're prostrate and you, you, you worship the Lord. And then you get up on your knees and you put your hands together like this, like you're asking. Right? Petition. So prostrate, worship, then petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Remember, daily. 
I'm asking daily for what I need. So what do I do this day is I think about this day. I think about me. I think about the people in my world. And I think about what's needed. And you know what? I just go at it. Just ask anything you want. You're like, anything? Yes, anything. You might say, how about a Maserati? Right? And I would say, well, if it's the difference between you asking and not asking, then ask. Ask. Because he'll does what I know. Because what the Lord's going to do is he's not going to shut down. What he's going to do is say, son, come here. Why are you asking for a Maserati? That's what God's going to do to you. And you're going to have to process that with him. And he's, gonna have to, he's probably going to take you somewhere and work with you on why you need a Maserati. And he's probably going to say, hey, I kind of like the Nissan you have. That's, uh, you know, it's a 1998. Uh, you're going to process with that with God. He will take you on a process. So you might say, what if I ask the wrong thing? Guess what? He will work with you. He will change your desires. He'll work with you. But you ask it. I would say err on the side of asking for what you want. What do you want today? Do you want anything? Is there anything you want? I mean, that's the biggest thing right there, I think, for this section is puny asking. That you think that you can't ask big. You got a real desire back there. You don't think you can ask God that. You got a real thing you want to ask for your children, and you're not asking that because, you know, that's a lot, you know. And God's saying, hey, bring it. Bring it. Don't hold back the desires of your heart, which many of them are totally aligned with me. And I will give you. Jesus said, ask, and it'll be given to you. Ask. I think some of y'all, like, it's, it's almost like you don't believe. And I'm saying it to me too. Ask. Petition the Lord. Thirdly, pardon. So prostrate, petition, pardon. And pardon, forgive us our debts as we also have already forgiven others their debts toward us. Okay? Y'all hear that? Okay. Lord, I want you to forgive me. But first, let me go over here. I need to forgive so-and-so. I need to forgive so-and-so. And you know what? I, I am I'm forgiving them totally, Lord. So in your presence, Lord, I am, I am forgiving them 100%. And I'm going to do two things to, to, to get my heart there. One is I'm asking you to do good to them today. Do good to them today. Because when I thought about who I need to forgive, those two faces popped up. And so now I forgive them. I ask for you to do good to them. And I, ask, I say, also, Lord, I declare to you, they owe me nothing. They owe me nothing. My heart is free. My heart is full. And now I'm going to come over here and I'm going to go, Lord, forgive me of the stuff I've done the same way I forgave them. Thank you. And Jesus says that is completely appropriate Christian prayer. Pardon. It's, it's actually not given for us to go, Lord, forgive me. And now you've forgiven me. Now I'm going to take that forgiveness. And now I'm going to forgive these other people over here. Although that might be true. 
That's not how Jesus said it here. We're praying for God to forgive us at the scope and the level and the extent that we have forgiven the others who've hurt us. And this is how God's going to treat us. That's an appropriate prayer. You know what? What if every single day of your life you actually had to ask yourself, who do I need to forgive? And then you 100% totally forgave them. How free would you be? And you know what? Let me say another thing before I move on. Right here, when you go, okay, pardon, pardon phrase. Okay, Lord, uh, who do I need to pardon? Who do I need to forgive? And that, that face pops up again. Oh, same face from yesterday. I forgave him yesterday, but here they are again. <laughs> Guess what? You know what you do within? You do it all over again. Forgive them totally. I pray good for them. They owe me nothing. Now forgive me. And the next day you come out, oh, their face is coming up again. What do you do then? Do it all over again. And you know how long you do it? Until their face doesn't pop up. When their face is not popping up in your mind of someone you need to pray, then you've done. It may take a while. It may take a while. But you have to do it. You have to do it for your own good. So pardon and protection. And I close with this. This is a a protective statement. Lead us not into temptation. Protect me, Lord, from my own flesh. Protect me, Lord, from yielding to temptation and, and abandoning you and disobeying you. Protect me today, Lord, from temptation. And then also protect me from evil or even the evil one. Technically, it's the evil one. In other words, the attack of the enemy in my life. Protect me from the attack of the enemy in my life. Protect me from temptation in my own flesh. And protect me from my enemy who wants my soul. Every day, pray for that protection. Now, it's a guide. This is not a formula. And the reason why it's not specific on words that you actually use is Luke gives a slightly different version of this same model prayer. What that means is it's the principles not the actual words that are important. What are the principles? The principles are pray daily, pray privately, pray simply. Give me the four Ps. First one is, are they up here? Y'all are cheating? Okay, good. I'm trying to make it easy. All right? Y'all are passing. Prostrate, petition, pardon, protection. Okay, let it not be said of us, Bannockburn, that we have not because we ask not. Let it not be said of us that we have not because we ask not. Amen? Will you close your eyes and bow with me? I'm going to do two minutes. Give me just two minutes. I'm going to ask you to do, close your eyes. I want you to focus on the Lord. Turn on your equipment. You're about to take a ride, and it's going to be two minutes long. And I want you to do four things, and you're going to do 30 seconds of each of the P's. The first one, prostrate. Worship him.
after you've offered yourself to him totally. Petition. Get as many out as you possibly can. Think about your world right now. Think about others and just let them fly. He hears them all. Even visions and pictures in your mind, lift them up, throw them out there to him. He knows what you're wanting, just let him know. Leave nothing in reserve, ask everything. And everything that comes to mind, everything you can think of. Pardon. Who do you need to forgive? What faces come up? Do the thing. him to forgive you the same way. Then protection. From temptation, the things that do tempt you commonly, and maybe even things that aren't on your radar that might blindside you. protection from the enemy of your soul and how deceitful he is. Father, thank you for just this, this time um, where we, you have provided this moment for our souls to vent do you fill us with peace and your presence and Lord I pray that even if we just take two minutes a day that we would experience this daily and Lord that you would use it over the long haul to take us where you want us to go make us what you want us to be and let us see you and your work and let us be used of you Thank you for your goodness to us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me all across the room? Let's just sing to the Lord and process a little more, and then we'll dismiss.